uh, you know, the, first of all, before I get into my message, I wanted to mention that Christian is going to be uh, doing his kind of um, the big speech uh, tonight, our time, at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And so, obviously, I know you guys are probably going to be sleeping by then, but before you go to sleep, if you can lift up a quick prayer, uh, that it would just be anointed. Uh, I think both he and I would be extremely grateful. Uh, but he's having a, a great time so far, and uh, I'm just really, really excited for him. Uh, but yeah, I have a message for you today. Sounds good? Yeah. Uh, my message tonight is called uh, tonight, technically tonight, right? Tonight, technically today, tonight. Anyway, my message for you today is called increasing your capacity to receive. How many of you guys want to increase your capacity to receive? Nobles are Right there, hands shot up in the air. Like, I want you to just turn to your neighbor and say, increase your capacity to receive. <laughs> and the word uh, is uh, coming from 2 Kings chapter 4. So open up your Bibles. We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, verses 38 to 44. All right, if you guys are with me, you can just look up and look pretty. Nice. All right, so I'm going to read the first verse and you guys can follow. Um, and Elisha came again to Gilgal, where there was a famine in the land. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. And they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating of the stew, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. A man came from Baal Shalisha, Sha, Shalisha, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, give to the men so that they may eat. So he set it before them and they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're looking here at 2 Kings chapter 4, and here is Elisha. And I don't know if you guys know anything about Elisha, but Elisha came after Elijah, right? And Elijah was this amazing prophet of God where the supernatural was very natural. Now, the thing about Elisha was what we know from 2 Kings, the first part of 2 Kings, was Elisha was a faithful servant under the prophet Elijah. And here, Elijah, I know it's like going to be back and forth, but prophet Elijah was about to get brought up into heaven in a whirlwind. And there is Elisha, 
right? Getting ready to uh, uh, serve Prophet Elijah. And Elijah keeps saying, okay, you got to go, all right? I'm going to go this far, so you got to go. If you look at uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Second Kings. And Elijah goes, no, I won't leave you. I'm going to stay. And he goes to the next location. He says, you got to go. He says, no, I won't leave you. I'm going to stay. And then again, no, I won't leave you. I'm going to stay. So one thing that we know about Elijah from the get-go was he was in sonship. Was that he understood the power that came with sonship. And so it's quite important to the rest of the story because the way that Elisha thinks is crazy. So as Elijah gets whipped up into the air, getting ready to go to heaven, what happens is Elisha is, is right before him. And Elijah, looking to his servant's faithfulness, says, all right, what do you want? And he says, a double portion. Come on. Double portion. Basically, he's saying, listen, Elijah, I've seen you do some amazing things. But everything you've done, I want double. You guys ever watch Super Size Me? I honestly never watched it, but I feel like even if I did, I'd still love McDonald's, but that's just me personally. Um, but it's kind of like double it. Supersize me. Everything that you have done, Elijah, double portion. And as Elijah is getting whipped up in this whirlwind, he goes, okay. And then the mantle of Elijah comes down and, and, and Elisha picks it up. And where is it? And mantle, for some reason, for the longest time, I thought mantle was like a, like a mantle, like a shelf mantle. And I don't know why I thought that. And every time people talk about mantles, I just picture that. Anyway, no, it was a cloak. Okay, it was like a cloak. Just to clarify, you didn't know that, right? I didn't. Anyway, so he picked up not like a shelf from the ground, but like a coat. And he, he wrapped that coat around himself, Elisha. And, and everyone saw, man, the anointing that was on Elijah just rested on Elisha. And from that point, we see in 2 Kings the stories of Elisha, which were indeed a double portion of Elijah. So here's the context of who Elisha is. I mean, he's a supernatural guy. Prophet Elijah was supernatural, but Elisha on another level. And so 2 Kings chapter 4, we're in the location of Gilgal. Now, what you need to know about Gilgal was at that time, Gilgal was suffering from a severe famine. Now, the thing about the famine was it wasn't caused because of anything else but the people's disobedience. What was going on at that hour was idolatry. Idolatry. And the king of the hour, he actually destroyed uh, the, the, the prophets of Baal. Remember Elijah, if you guys know, uh, had this huge fanatigan and the show out with the prophets of Baal and they all get crushed. Anyway, that was a victory. But unfortunately, there was other things to defeat. And there was still idolatry going on, and people wouldn't give it up. And so what happened was famine struck the land. You know, the thing about idolatry is idolatry always leads to death. Just a side note. When you exalt something other than God, you're walking into the place of death. And so here is severe famine. Famine, I'm talking about death is all around you. The crops have dried up. The animals have nothing to eat. Therefore, they're skinny, malnutrition, and probably dead. And you can't even eat the animals because they're so, they, there's no fat. There's no meat on them. It was a desperate time. Have you guys ever felt desperate before? I'm talking desperate. 
And I can imagine here the prophet Elisha is sitting with the sons of the prophets around him at his feet. And I can just imagine how hungry they must have been. They're in the midst of this famine. They probably were hungry. Have you guys been hungry before? You know, I know we understand the concept of a famine, but I don't think we really know what it's like to have a famine. And I know we talk about, oh, I'm starving, but I don't think you and I know what it means to starve. And we talk about, oh, I'm so hungry, but I don't think we really know what it's like to be hungry. Listen, I'm hungry. I've been fasting, and so I'm hungry. And I'm trying not to think about cheeseburgers right now. I'm hungry. But the thing about me being hungry is I know when my next meal is going to be. It's going to be tomorrow. That's when my fast is over. And hallelujah, I'm going to go walk myself to Ponjuk, get myself some chamchijuk, sit it down, eat everything, including the meat, because I'm rebellious like that. And I don't wait like five days to eat meat. I'm going to eat it right there. Okay. And have a, have a wonderful time. And so, yeah, I'm hungry right now, but I know when I'm going to eat again. And I'm talking about a situation where people were hungry and they did not know when the next meal was going to come. In fact, everything around them said nothing is on its way. You have nothing to hope for. That's the thing about hope that's so potent is that when you have hope for something, the pain of your hunger, it diseases. See, I'm hungry, but I can endure the pain because I know I'm going to eat. I may be going through something right now, but I can endure because I have hope that something better is coming on its way. And so here they're sitting in, in this place of utter desperation. And, and the thing that kills me is that I would imagine that they chose to hope above all things. Why? Because rather than going around and finding food, they positioned themselves at the feet of Elisha. And here are these sons of the prophets, and they're at the feet of Elisha. And they're just sitting there. Who knows what's going on in their minds? But I believe that Elisha knew, I got to feed their soul before I feed their stomach. See, this illustration is so similar to Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. What was going on was teaching was going out. You know, there's something so powerful about hope. I'm just going to pause here for a little bit. There's a verse in the Bible in Isaiah. For those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they will fly on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow faint. Do you know the power, the potency of hope? You know, when you enter a season of waiting in that season of desperation and waiting for a breakthrough, waiting is torment. If you don't have hope, you know, when we pray for things like North Korea, sometimes I sit and I try to think about what it must be like. And I can't even, my mind doesn't wrap. It, can't, it doesn't understand. For a small child who is starving to death, who just does not have any hope, does not know when they're going to eat again, compared to my refraining from food. And I know very well that I'm going to eat amazing this week. Waiting without hope is torment. However, waiting with hope changes the experience completely. Hope changes your experience of waiting. Your expectation of what's to come changes your experience of waiting. 
And so if you're waiting for something, if you're in the desperate place and you're asking yourself, God, why aren't you manifesting? Why aren't you showing up? I want you to even before you see manifest, begin to change your mindset to see God. Let me expect that you're going to show up because when you expect there's a spirit of perseverance that comes your way. And all of a sudden the anxiety, the fear that's been bombarding you about your situation is now completely muffled by the silence of peace and trust and expectation. And despite the pain you will endure. You know, the first step to increasing your capacity to receive is simply to expect. I know it's very elementary, but you got to expect to receive. You got to expect it, not hope uh, that it possibly might, maybe, hopefully if I'm good enough, come. I'm talking about expectation to receive. You know, God is watching how you respond in the waiting. That's when your faith is actually tested. It's not just, I made it till the breakthrough. It's what, what were you doing till the breakthrough came? What was the posture of your heart until the breakthrough came? What was your experience like before the breakthrough came? God's interested in that. And so you need to expect to receive, you know, one of my favorite movies is Shawshank Redemption. Have you guys ever watched that film? Oh, good movie. And then one of my most favorite characters in that movie is Red, was played by Morgan Freeman, amazing actor. And he says this film, because that film has a lot to do with hope, actually, in an impossible situation. Okay, we're talking about jailbreak. I get that, but, you know, ignore that part. <laughs> but hope, nonetheless. And there's this line that he has, and I always remember for some reason, it's, he says this, he says, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing dies. And he just sits there talking about the power of hope. He hopes. Andy, his friend in the film, hoped. His hope actually was contagious and gave Red hope. That was his name, Red, right? That's what I thought. Okay, just making sure. Hope. And so here they're in this famine, they're in this desperate situation. And before anything else, before we go even further, I want you guys, number one, to recognize, okay, here in this place, I need to expect to receive. Basically, you're saying, I'm not going to judge this on my natural circumstances. I'm going to expect to receive. Now watch this. The sons of the prophets were sitting before him. I mentioned this earlier in the posture of receiving what first, not the food, but the teaching. If you want to expand your capacity to receive, your minds need to be renewed first. You have to renew your mind. See, often we find ourselves asking God for certain things and he's not manifesting it. And we say to ourselves, God, uh, I did number one. I'm expecting to receive. How come I don't see anything happening? What's going on? And then you find yourself being disappointed, disillusioned, angry at God. When in fact, God is saying, you need to renew your mind because what I have for you is bigger than what you're asking for. It's bigger than that. You know, at that point, before they had their teaching, Elisha could have gave them the little bit that they had. He could have served it up and then gave the teaching. But the teaching went out first. And I believe it was Elisha's understanding that when the teaching goes out, the mindset gets renewed. Your ability to even believe God for greater things gets set into place, gets established. And all of a sudden, now you're able to receive much more. You know, earlier in chapter 4, there's a story of the widow. 
and Elisha. And this widow was at her, her last bit of meal with her and her son. And Elisha says and goes up to her and goes, what's wrong? And she says, listen, my husband is dead. We have debt collectors knocking at the door. I have nothing left. This is the last meal. I'm planning to eat it and just die. And Elisha says, listen, I want you to go to your neighbors and I want you to get a bunch of jars. And then I want you to pour the very little oil that you have and pour it into the jar. And when that's done, pour it into the next jar. So this woman goes out with her son collects a bunch of jars from the neighbors and does exactly that. Now get this. They begin to pour into the jar and then that jar gets filled. And then they pour into the next jar and that jar gets filled and pour into the next jar and that jar gets filled until there was no more jars left. And he said, there's no more mom. See what God is trying to do is he's trying to get you to have more jars. It's not about the fact that he doesn't want to fill your jars. He wants you to collect more jars. See, if she had gotten 20 more jars, guess what? 20 more jars would have been filled up. Do you understand the concept of what was going on in that moment? Whatever was presented to the woman to fill, to be filled up by the supernatural power of God was going to be filled. What happens is we settle for less. We need a renewing of our mind to increase our capacity for more. You know, a lot of you guys know the story between uh, Christian and, and, and myself and, and the marriage and some of the conflict we have with marriage. And, and my mom wasn't for our marriage for a long while. And for many uh, times, I just began to pray, God, have my mom agree to this marriage. I want her blessing. I want her blessing. I want her blessing. Guess what? It did not happen. And, I, and we were praying for months. It did not happen. No sign of breakthrough was happening. And I was like, God, what the heck? I'm being faithful here. I am faith filled. I am getting ready. I, we got the wedding plans. Everything is all set in order. I'm moving in faith. How come this is not happening? And God, he just convicted me one day and was like, you're thinking way too small. This ain't about you. It's not just about you. I need you to think bigger. And then he began to show me the plans that he has for my mom. It wasn't just about my mom's blessing. It was about my mom's destiny. It was about my parents' marriage's restoration. It was about their calling to what God has in store for them. And all of a sudden, he said, listen, I'm not answering your prayer because I want you to get more jars. And he began to expand my mindset to believe for more. And all of a sudden, I began to pray, Mom, revival, 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 revival. And it was only then God completely answered our prayers above and beyond. He's wanting to position you for more. You're not getting your answers because you're thinking too small. You ever thought about that? Sometimes we complain about not getting our answers and we think God is, is mean or God is withholding. No, it's because God is saying you're thinking too small. You know, Christian and I, we're having a, a interesting season. He's so busy. I rarely get to spend some quality time with him. And when we do, we try to make the best of it. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was, um, uh, getting, we were getting ready to hang out and we were going to go to Times Square Mall. And he went to the bathroom. He was sitting on the throne and he had a revelation. <laughs> and he came out of the throne room, came to me and said, honey, we're going to go to the mall and we're going to go shopping and I'm going to buy you whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want. Money will not be a factor. And I said, God, you know my heart. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, God, you're good. Um, baby, you should spend more time in the bathroom, you know? 
He came out. He was like, he had this like light bulb. It was like, I was like, what is going on? I'm like, where did you even come up with this idea? He's like, God, God spoke to me. We got to go shopping and I got to buy you whatever you want. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And so we go to Times Square and we enter my favorite store. One of my favorite stores. I love Zara. That's just me. Oh, Oh, thank you. Wow. (laughs) Michael Eden. Listen, I like that. All right. So I walk into Zara and, and he looks at me, he goes, baby, whatever you want, I want you to get it. And so I'm walking around the store and I'm just like, and I pick up the most cheapest thing at Zara. It's funny. I know he said I could have whatever I want, but my mindset wasn't open to it. I couldn't even receive. I kept thinking about what he should get. I kept thinking about the fact that he was spending his own personal money to buy me something. I was like, this is stupid. Why would you buy me something expensive? I'll just pick something. And I was like, $9.99, honey. This is on sale. Get me this. And he goes, no, put it down. More expensive. I kid you not. Like we were fighting. And I was like, like, like it was a chore for me to pick something up. But I was struggling because my mindset was not renewed. And I turned around. I was like, all right, all right, baby, baby, $40, a t-shirt. This is ridiculous, but all right, I'm expanding $40 shirt. I want it. Give it to me. And he goes, no, put it down. He goes, I'm telling you, you can get whatever you want in this store. Put that $40 shirt down and find something more expensive. And I'm just like, you're crazy. I love you, but you're crazy. And I go all around the store and he picks the most ridiculously expensive stuff. And he's like, how about this? And I'm like, what the, no. And I find myself not in the posture of receiving, but closing my heart to receiving. Why? Because my mindset was not renewed. Something that I'd struggle with most of my life was a spirit of poverty. Even though I grew up never in desperate need, my parents, I I grew up in a Long Island area, Long Island, in Long Island area, in Long Island, uh, around white Jewish rich people. And I had a, a beautiful home. But for some reason, because of the spirit of the house, I always thought that we were in lack and that we were in need. And so my mindset was never, don't spend money. Don't spend money. Don't spend money. Save your money. And so I was constantly hoarding like this. You know, when you feel like you're in lack, you do this. You guys know that that's what happens. And so for most of my life, I was like this. I was so stingy, so tight fisted. And when it came to buying things for myself, I I struggled. Y'all know that I stole a lot. And that's why I started stealing. Honestly, it's not because my parents didn't have enough to give me. It's because I was so, my mindset was such in a poverty mentality that I convinced myself that I would always be in a state of lack. I couldn't afford anything that I just resorted to stealing stuff. And so here my husband is, he's saying, listen, I'll give you whatever you want in the store. And I could not understand it. He's trying to bless me and I could not understand it. Some of the very things that you're asking God for, he's saying, no, go more expensive. You're saying, come on, daddy, 9.99. He's like, no, go more expensive. Dream bigger. He is not denying your request for more. He's saying you need to, uh, you need to ask for even more than you're asking for. 
9.99, put it down. $40, put it down. You guys must be curious what I ended up buying. Hey, you guys like my blazer? I know, right? This little pretty thing right here and a, a brand new winter coat, down coat. And even with the winter coat, I was like, oh, look, how about the cheaper one? He's like, no, put that down. Get the more expensive one. I mean, can you, I know for all of you ladies, you guys must think I'm crazy. Like, why didn't I just go off on a, you know, crazy marathon shopping spree? But it's, it's, it was my understanding of my husband's love. It was limited. My husband's desire to want to bless me. It was limited. In the same way, our understanding of God's love for us and his desire to bless you, we limit it. And we keep getting down and out. Why he won't give us the $9.99? That I've been, God, I've been praying for months for $9.99. Why won't you give it to me? And he's saying, because I'm not going to give it to you because you deserve the 500 the 1000 you got to dream bigger. And so it's this renewing of the mind that needs to happen. And that only happens when you come into contact with the word of God. And therefore, before Elijah does any miracle, he does what? He gets the sons of the prophets to sit under the teaching. Because when the teaching goes out, the mind begins to shift. And the mind begins to get renewed. And so the posture, the posture is in the place of first receiving for your soul. Before the manifestation in the natural. Why? Because he wants to increase your capacity to receive. Come on, tell your neighbor, you can't get that 999. <laughs> you can't get that 999. And so you need to, number one, you got to expect to receive. You got to expect to receive. And then you need to renew your mind and then expand what receiving looks like. You got to get that just completely. You got to expand it by the word of God. And then the step three is you got to take action in faith and not in fear. Take action, not in, uh, in faith, not in fear. So here the prophets are sitting before him. And then Elisha says to his servant, set on the large pot. You like how it wasn't the itty bitty pot? He said, hey, put that little itty bitty pot down on the stove. He said, get the large pot. Okay, y'all need to get the large pot. Amen? Amen. Too much itty bitty pots going on in the house of the Lord. We got to dream bigger. He says, get the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. And one of them went out into the field to gather herbs and find a wild vine gathered from it, uh, gathered from it, his lap full of wild gourds. So here he tells his servant, all right, put on the large pot. He said the capacity is big. And he says, you fill it up. Make the stew for everybody here, which ends up being, we find out later, a hundred, at least a hundred. <laughs> Can you imagine what the servant must have felt like? I'm sure he was looking in the kitchen and looking at the ingredients and looking at the, the lack and the little and the famine. And it's like, how am I supposed to fill this pot? What am I supposed to do? So he goes out. Already in the expectation of I'm in lack. You see, that's the revelation that he went out in. I'm in lack, goes out and begins to see all these wild vines and, and begins to uh, take out the gourds of the vine. You know, the thing about when you go out in fear, your discernment gets thrown off. And he couldn't even discern what was poisonous. It looked good on the outside, but it was poison. 
Why? Because later on, he cuts it up, puts it in the pot, and the prophets begin to drink of the soup, and they say, what? This is death in a pot. There was no discernment. It brought confusion, inability to see what was God's provision and what wasn't. Do you guys know that sometimes we settle for not God's provision, but for less? And when you walk around in the spirit of lack, you say, oh, man, God has provided. And you look at this itty-bitty little thing. And you say, man, hallelujah, God has provided. Let me pick that up. And it's poisonous. Because God actually always intended for you to have more. He goes out in the spirit of lack and he's searching and searching and finds this fine. You know, listen, when there's a famine, there's always a plethora of poison. When you're in a desperate situation, let me put it to you this way. When you're in a desperate situation, there's always a plethora of deception. See, the thing about the wild gourds is it looked good, but it was deceiving because it was poisonous. And when you're in a desperate situation, all of a sudden, the things that are not good for you begins to look good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And even others might present something to you as if it's good. Hey, listen, let me give you a piece of advice. You living in Korea, probably not a good idea. Why? Because you got an education and you probably need to go to grad school and you're just wasting your time out there. Here, let me give you this piece of food. And you look at it and you say, well, this looks like pretty good advice. It's poison. Why? Because it doesn't come into alignment with the God's word. You begin to look at the worry and the anxiety. It's all packaged in wisdom. You know, sometimes wisdom is not really wisdom. It's just fear. Caution is not based on wisdom. It's based on fear. And if you believe that it could happen, it will happen. And so here they're being, uh, going out and all of a sudden you, you, you begin to come in contact with people who are going to present you with things that look good on the outside, but are only going to cause death in your life. Turn to your neighbor and just say, I don't want to die. I ain't dying today. I don't want to die. <laughs> Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. What was the servant doing? He was doing what he thought was right. It was a way that seemed right to man. He was given the order and he was completely deceived. So what happens next then? Elisha begins to tell, uh, they begin to drink and that the pot is death, death pot, whatever it was, the death pot. And he begins to, uh, they begin to complain. Hey, listen, this is, this is crazy. We can't drink this. This is poisonous. We're going to die. And Elisha's so gangster. He's just like, bring me the pot. <laughs> oh, y'all acting crazy. Give me some flour. Like flour is going to do anything. It's poisonous. It's like, can you imagine? Like, flour, ta-da! Like, he just takes flour and boom, puts it in the pot and he goes, now drink it. And they're like, what? He just puts flour in there. What is that going to do? It just took one simple act of faith. You know, the crazy thing is, many scholars say that this flour represents Jesus Christ himself, the very bread of life. See, when Jesus comes into our circumstances, our situations, our thought process, our life, all of a sudden, what was contaminated is made pure again. 
in that desperate situation that you're in, battling with the lies that are tempting for you to come in and receive it, God steps in the picture, Jesus steps in the picture, and then he begins to purify. What was poisonous to you now is a manifestation of his provision. Isn't that crazy? Elisha was like on another level. But he, uh, but the, the thing was that the servant was so close. He was so close. Yes, the power was in his hands for the manifestation of the miracle, but he didn't do it in accordance to God's way. The discernment was not there. You got to take action, but you cannot take action with fear. You cannot take action with fear. You have to take it with faith. You know, when um, Christian and I, we, we live in an amazing apartment. How many of you guys have been, ever been able to visit our apartment, pastor's cafe and whatnot? I mean, we have an incredible apartment. And I remember when we were apartment hunting, apartment shopping, um, it was like such a big battle for me because Christian kept taking us to apartments that were out of our price range. And I was like, what is your problem? I was like, do you not know what our budget is? And I kept going into these apartments. And in the moment I stepped my foot in the apartment, my heart would be closed because all I could, all I saw was we can't afford it. I was so focused on the natural circumstances, the natural provision, where we were at. And so I refused to even believe for something bigger because my mindset wouldn't hold it. And so we would look at all these apartments and then we stepped into our apartment and I, even before I looked at it, my heart was closed because the woman goes, the real estate lady was like, oh, this apartment is out of your price range. Those were the, the first words that she says. And then I think she says how much it was. And I was like, oh, like I just, I, okay, that's great. I completely shut my heart to it. And we walked in and Christian's like, wow. Look at the kitchen. Look at the stove. There's a bathtub there. Look at these verandas, the views. And I was like, la, 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 la. I, I was angry walking around in the apartment. I was like, what's the point of looking at these good apartments when we can't even afford it? Not everything else is just going to look like poo. This is stupid. And I was just upset going around in this apartment. And, and, and man, my husband was, the moment he saw our apartment, he was, he was done. He was just like, it's ours. And I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> I thought you were smart. Thought you went to NYU Stern. Uh, I thought you knew business. Uh, these are the numbers that we have, and this is how much the apartment costs. And I was just like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is a poor stewardship of our, our finances. This is a mistake. I was like, this is too much. Sound familiar? My Zara situation? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I want the nah, 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 nah. And he turns to me, my husband, he's so gentle. Um, and loving, he goes, get that poverty spirit off of you. <laughs> I kid you not, I said that to my face just like that. He's like, you better break that orphan poverty spirit off of you. And I was like, I don't like you right now. So walking away. <laughs> oh, he can be so good sometimes and other times. It's just, anyway. And so he says that, but you know what? The thing is, he had such truth in his words. And as much as I wanted to like, you know, get upset, which I did, um, I thought about it and I, and, and the truth resounded and I said, God, man, I am really thinking like an orphan. 
I am really thinking like a beggar. I am completely taking you out of the equation. I am just so set on what's in front of me and what we have. And I completely forgot that you are the God that provides for me. I completely forgot. And I was thinking I was being wise. Faithlessness is never wise. Never. So God began to confront me and he goes, why don't you trust in me? You need to increase your capacity to receive from me. I just couldn't. It was so hard for me to understand. And so he took me through a series of events that broke and broke and broke and broke me. One of them, which I spent almost a mil uh, on the dentist at the dentist. If you guys know me, I got an issue with sugar, (laughs) chocolate, candy, anything that gets stuck in your teeth. Love it. You know, caramel, toffee, like all that good stuff. Favorite. It's just, I I have a problem. Um, And so, you know, I spent a lot of money, my personal money, because we decided that it won't be our joint money because it's my fault. (laughs) Anyway, so I spent a lot of my personal money to go to the dentist, which is good because it helped me to kind of get my act together. But I was broke. And I was like, God, I mean, what? I just, everything about finances was just hitting me like a wave after a wave. And God's like, listen, I'm going to show you who I am because right now you're not getting it. And collide was happening. And we had got, we had not gotten the the apartment yet, actually. In fact, the provision for the apartment hadn't come yet either. And so still in the natural, it seemed like an impossible thing. And collide happened. And that day I decided to visit my grandma and she was getting ready to move to the countryside. And we were just chatting and having a, you know, grandma, granddaughter time. And she gives me this fat envelope and puts it right in my lap. And she goes, here, you know, you living in America, I never got to, to bless you like I did with the rest of my grandchildren. And I look at it, it's two mil. And she goes, here are the instructions with this money. I'm like, all right. And she goes, you cannot spend it on your husband. You cannot spend it on the church. You cannot give it to anybody else. You must use this money for you only. And I was like, what? Again, naturally, we'd be like, oh, hey, you know, but I, my, it was so hard for me to receive it. Then I get to collide and all of a sudden someone else comes, puts me in the office, sits me down and lays down a fat wad of cash. Okay. And goes, God told me to give this to you. It was three mil cash. Yeah. And she says, I want you to count it with your fingers. One, two. She goes, as you count it, the spirit of poverty is going to be broken off of you. Three, four, we're going to be here all night. Five, you know, they were, you know, 10,001 bills, right? Water cash. Man. Five mil. One day. Five mil. You know what her instructions were? Very specific. You are not allowed to spend this money on your husband, on anybody else, or on the church, you can only use it for you. I kid you not, word for word, the very same thing my grandma said. Guess what I did? I took a big chunk of that money and I gave it to the church. Why? Because I didn't even know how to receive. I didn't even know how to receive. I was so 
flabbergasted that God would give so much money to me that I, it, it was almost like I'm completely undeserving of this. So I decided, what's the holy thing to do? I should give it away. Let me completely bypass the fact that they said the same exact thing. And uh, let me give this away. So I gave it away. I know you think I'm crazy right now. Why would you give that away? Especially all that instruction. But I'm telling you, so many of us live our Christian lives like that. Unable to receive the riches, not just financially. I'm talking about riches in joy. Riches in peace, riches in wisdom, riches in family breakthrough and relationships. You and I can't receive, some of us can't even receive love. And you equate the five mil that got dropped down on the table and you equate that with love. Some of us can't even receive it. And God is saying, you need to increase your capacity to receive. You got to change your mindset. Man, through that event, God just shook me. And Christian, after I gave the money away, he's like, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And I was like, oh, I thought you'd be proud of me. I thought you'd give me a pat on the back. He goes, no, that wasn't faith. And it wasn't. It was fear. And so through those events, long story short, long story long, trying to make it short, the apartment I decided in my heart, God, I'm going to allow myself to even want this. And I began to open my heart. And I began to say, I'm not going to trust in the things that I have in my hands because you're a God that multiplies. So I want this apartment. And the moment I began to say, man, I want this apartment, the provision of God came. The provision of God came. And now we're able to have that apartment and afford that apartment and live in that apartment. God wants to increase your capacity to receive. It starts with the mindset. But the thing that I loved about Christian, that what he did was, when we looked for apartments, his action was looking for apartments that were above our budget. You know that's action, right? He began to take steps of faith outside of what was going on in the natural and believe for the supernatural. We didn't just sit around waiting for something, you know, to fall on our laps. It wasn't like that. He went out. We looked at so many apartments. We looked at so many apartments. We did our part. We put the pot on the stove. But we said, God, you better fill the pot. <laughs> Here's the pot. You fill the pot. He wants you to put the large pot on the stove. Amen? Got to take action with faith and not fear. Now, the cool thing is, later on in verse 42, in Elisha's situation, a man comes from Baal Shalisha, so not how you say it, um, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and fresh ears of grain uh, in his sack. Listen, there's this man that all of a sudden comes out of nowhere. And where he's coming from is about, you can guess, maybe 25, 26 miles outside where they were. And here he comes, and he brings supernatural provision to Elisha. Okay, he gives his first fruits to the prophet. He gives his first fruits to the prophet, 20 loaves. And get this, what does Elisha do? Does he sit down, eat it, and enjoy the blessing? What are his very words? He says, give it to the men that they may eat. The key to understanding why you need to even increase your capacity to receive is because it's not just about you, it's bigger than you.
it's bigger than you. It's not that it's not about you because it's still about you. God's relationship, he wants to manifest his goodness to you. It is about you, but it's bigger than you. He wants to put you in a position where you can manifest his goodness to somebody else. And so here, Elisha receives the first fruit offering from this random guy, supernatural intervention. And then he just begins to turn and says, give it to the men. He recognized that he was blessed to be a blessing. It wasn't enough. It was only 20 loaves. But as he gave it away in faith, what happened? It multiplied. And it says, in fact, that they had leftovers. This is before Jesus fed the 5,000. Supernatural provision. And guess what? It didn't multiply in Elijah's hands first. It only multiplied when it was given away. It wasn't multiplied first, and then they gave it away. It was multiplied when it was given away. When I stepped into the apartment and it was finally ours, and we signed the seal, signed the seal, signed the contract, and I I stood there, and God spoke to me so clear, you're blessed to be a blessing. He said, this apartment is about you, but it's also bigger than you. He's designed you to be the head, not the tail, to be the lender, not the borrower. And so when I finally allowed myself to receive something that I, that was so much bigger than what I was capable of, God now positioned me to be a blessing to someone else. I don't know if you guys know about the history of our apartment, but our guest room is always filled. Oh, we, it ain't a guest room anymore. It's basically somebody's home. And when we first moved in, we housed Mark, Pastor Marcus, Pastor John, Andy. We housed one of my Emmaus students. Then we had the waves of girls. Then we had Judy, hey, still living there. Emily, who's now living there. Joanne, who was living there. By the way, I miss you, boo-boo. And she was living there for a season. All of this, I couldn't have been a blessing to others if I wasn't willing to receive first. See, we convinced ourselves, and I was convincing ourselves, myself, God, this is too big for me. Why do we need a three, such a big three-bedroom apartment? I can be satisfied with just this small size, and I'm good with that. And God's like, it ain't all about you. Because I am setting you up to be a blessing to someone else. I'm setting you up to be a manifestation of goodness for someone else. That promotion at your workplace is not just about you getting a promotion. It's about you being able to make referrals for other people to get jobs. That apartment is not just about you finding a new beautiful home. It's about you being able to house in people that are in in desperate situations and need a home. The things that God wants to give you is so much bigger than you. And that is why we need to increase our capacity to receive because we are designed to be a blessing because it's bigger than us because we're called to be like him. When my husband took me to Zara and said, baby, get whatever you want. You know what he was doing? He was manifesting God's heart to me. It wasn't really about shopping. It wasn't about making up for lost time. He wasn't trying to buy my affection. It wasn't anything like that. He was trying to manifest God's extravagant love to me. By his simple act, I got that revelation. Man, God loves me. We're supposed to be a people when others come into contact. You know what the revelation is supposed to be? Man, God loves me. God's so good to me. I want you guys to just close your eyes for a second.
And I just feel like God wants to break the spirit of poverty in this place. Some of you guys, you're, you're relating to the old mindset that I was sharing. And I just feel like God wants to pour out a new wine, but he cannot pour new wine into old wineskin because it will burst. You know what they used to do with old wineskins? Because throwing it out was so such a waste. What they would do is they would take those old wineskins and put it, put it in living water. And it had to be living water, as in water that moved. So it wasn't like a, a puddle. It wasn't like a cup. It wasn't a bowl. It had to be a river. And they would put those old wineskins in a river. And they would leave it in the river. And as the waters would rush all through the wineskin, all of a sudden what was hardened would begin to get flexible again and moldable again. We spend way too much time asking the Lord for things that only limit him. Asking the Lord for things that we can get without him. And God is saying, no more. Dream bigger. Think bigger. Are you in a desperate situation? Dream bigger. The solution is not to just survive through this time. God is saying, I'm going to cause you to thrive even in your desperate situation. And so if you feel like you've been struggling, and if you really examine your heart, even struggling to receive, maybe it's even struggling to receive people's love. And people try to shower you extravagantly with their love, with their time, and you just want to reject it. You don't even know why. Deep down you know you want it but you just find yourself pushing it away. Or some of you, this is directly related to finances. And you've, you've convinced yourself that you're living a humble life, but you're actually living a faithless one. And God is saying, I want to be a part of your life. And I want to do what's impossible. That's you. I just want you to just stand to your feet in faith. you to just lift up your hands God wants to release a fresh revelation of the kind of God that he is do not get it twisted he is not a cheap God in fact the very nature of who he is is extravagant it says in Psalms my cup overflows He's not interested in just filling you to the tip. He's interested in overflowing your cup that you may pour into another empty cup. God has designed you to be a blessing. So I want you to just begin to pray right now and make your confession. God, I, I, just, I just confess that I've been limiting you. I almost even convinced myself that I was being holy all this time. But I just, I just realized right now, it's not just about me and me surviving. It's about me being a blessing to somebody else. You positioning me to be and manifest you to somebody else. If it's finances, I just want you to begin to surrender that. If it's love, I want you to begin to surrender that. If it's, if it's relationships, I want you to begin to surrender that. Come on, just begin to lift up your voices and just begin to make that your confession right now. 
God wants to renew your minds. Jesus. Jesus. of you guys have been so tight-fisted because you have convinced yourself that you are in lack or that you only have enough for yourself. And I just feel like the word of the Lord for you is give it away and watch it multiply. You want love? Give it away and watch it multiply. You need finances in your life? Give it away and watch it multiply. You need provision? Look at the crumbs that God has placed in your hand. We look at the five loaves and the few fish and we say, this is all we have. I can't give nothing to nobody, God. And God is saying, give it away and watch me multiply it. Because not only will you be provided for, but those around you that need a manifestation of my love will also receive it. And so, Father, I take authority right now over all of the mindsets here in this house. Father, that have come into agreement that they are in lack. That their very limitations are what they see in the natural. That their very limitations is what they see in their bank account. That their very limitations is what they see. God, and I just break the spirit of poverty right now in the name of Jesus. And I just decree and declare that this house is designed to be the head and not the tail. That they are designed to bless, be blessed and be a blessing. God, I just pray right now, Father, that there will be an increasing of their capacity to receive from you. Increase their past capacity to receive from you, even right now, God. Begin to make room in their paradigms. Begin to make room in their minds. Begin to make room in their hearts, God. Begin to stretch them and make the heart malleable and flexible again. Yeah, God, we just speak that out. And God, we walk it out in faith. And we just decree and declare that we will dream big for your kingdom. We will dream big for your kingdom. And we will partner with you who makes the impossible possible. Yeah, Lord. Some of you, just quickly, some of you even think money's evil. You just think money is evil. You think the holy thing to do is even reject having a lot because money is evil. It's not what the word of God says, folks. It says the love of money is evil. You know, when I, when I was stepping into my apartment, I thought this is too good for a pastor and a pastor's wife. It's too nice for a pastor and a pastor's wife because I was so convinced that having good things were kind of evil. I almost believed that. God is just breaking that lie right now. See, you're right. It's not just about you, but it is bigger than you. 
And so, Father, I just thank you that eyes are being opened right now and scales are falling to the ground. And that we're breaking limitations. And we break the spirit of poverty and we receive the spirit of receiving. We receive the spirit of receiving, God. (laughs) You are so good. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.